Yes, I'm Dutch. Dyslexia, audio transmission. Welcome to Dis and Dat, the podcast from the Dyslexia Association of Ireland. You're very welcome to this episode. Uh, my name is Donald Ewing, Head of Psychology at Dyslexia Ireland, and I'm joined by my colleague Amy, who uh, you've probably heard on this podcast before. Amy, just remind us who you are and what you do. My name is Amy, and I am the Information and Advocacy Coordinator here at the DAI. Um, and I'm really boring to have a dinner party, so I'm just going to get that out there now because <laughs> I am dyslexic and I work in the Dyslexia Association and I talk about dyslexia all the time. So if you want to go for a drink afterwards, like it's probably best not to go with me. Very good, very good. <laughs> we're joined today by Alana. We're very delighted that she's agreed to come in and talk to us. Alana is a makeup artist. And she's going to be sharing with us her experiences of school, college and the world of work. And you're very welcome, Alana. Thank you very much and thank you very much for having me. We have the famous magic hat, which looks like it's had a bit of a makeup uh, or a makeover, I should say. <laughs> it's a makeup over because we were doing it like in tribute to Alana being here. So we put a bit of lipstick and some fake eyelashes on it. <laughs> I think it's never looked better, to be honest. I was dying to see this hat, so it looks amazing. I'm glad it hasn't <laughs> disappointed, really. Well, listen, shall we get started? Uh, Alana, would you like to dip your hand into the hat and maybe see if you can find your first question for today? Sure, I will. There you go. Great. So, um, this is a good one to kick off with. So, we want to know, when did you find out that you were dyslexic? And you can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, sure. So, I found out in primary school. Um, well, actually, my mom did. She kind of looked out for it from the age of six because my brother was um, diagnosed with dyslexia as well, but very late on in primary school so she knew that I was three years younger than he was so she was she looked out for it at that stage um but it wasn't until I was seven in primary school that she got a referral from the school to the Eastern Health Board in Tala so I had an appointment there um mom was really really great because I've actually gone to a lot of places to get tested um I also went privately to a psychologist in Dunleary so I went out there a few times um, and I just remember these testings being very draining and yeah. really really long days and you know kind of going through everything um, and it's one thing that I can kind of remember as a child doing um, now she also brought me down to Kilkenny to uh, now let's see if I can say this word kinesiologist uh, no nope kinesthesiologist yes <laughs> for you Donald I can't believe she made me say that out loud. <laughs> and I had it in the car the whole way in I was like this is the word this is the word um yeah so I went down there and that is alternative testing as well so it was based on shapes and pictures um which they kind of found out that my brain works a lot better with um so I really um a lot better with remembering things if I can see them in a picture or an image mm. um so yeah, I had done a good few testings in throughout school. I also went to summer camps um, for about three years. Um, they were out in Dunleary. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually got a lot of help when I was younger 
um, with testing and also kind of just with help with the dyse dyslexia. Mm. Um, and do you remember being told you were dyslexic or did you connect very much to like the way that your brother learned because you had kind of a sibling quite co close in age who was dyslexic? Um, no, I remember being uh, being told that I was dyslexic, but myself and my brother have um, different dys dyslexia. I feel like every time I'm going to say this word, I won't get it out. No, the word dyslexia <laughs> is a trap for <laughs> dyslexic people. Yes, um, and now I'm just going to get tongue-tied with it. But yeah, myself and my brother both have different... Um, different dyslexics we're both different yeah. anyway um he he used to wear colored glasses to get his words um together um, now i was also tested for that but mine were quite mild um so it was just helping getting the letters together um but i suppose i got just got a lot of help in primary school like i went to an after school every week um and she was she was brilliant um i just remember going to her and feeling very comfortable um, so yeah and were you aware that you were struggling a wee bit or like I remember when I was tested kind of finding out I was dyslexic um, I was about seven and a half as well so um, finding it out was kind of like oh this makes a bit more sense and I kind of get it because I could feel that I was falling behind a little bit in class did you kind of get to that point where you felt like you were a little different or yeah um, I suppose I was I probably didn't understand how my friends were, things were coming to them a lot easier. Uh, you know, reading and writing and, um, you know, getting back, like studying and studying in class, like for your Friday class test. And you doing that as well as the girl sitting beside you. Um, and you didn't know why. Yeah. And you'd be studying and studying. She was like, oh yeah, I looked at it last night. And you were like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, I suppose that. But then I was also good at a lot of other things that the girls in the class weren't good at. So I suppose I focused on those things as well. What, yeah. What were those things that you found you were? Um, art. Okay. Um, I'm from a very young age. I've been very creative, and my parents have been great. Where they've kind of um, pushed me into areas, you know, like to summer camps and um, to art classes. And I was also really good at sports. Um, so from a young age, I, I was always on basketball team or handball team, and progressed a lot in both of those fields. Um. And then I also remember my parents, you know, if you're trying to worm your way out of an argument, they were always like, you could always make up such a good essay or a good story. So my essays are always really good, but possibly the grammar wasn't good, but the yeah. story behind it was always really creative. Okay. So mm. you, were, um, you could talk the hind legs yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I could. It's very classically dyslexic. <laughs> we're big talkers. Yeah. Sometimes I think, yeah, but very creative. And I think... Um, in class, you know, my teacher would ask me to draw the things on the on the board and for the art class, and that probably bumped up my confidence a little bit, and not it outweighed the other stuff, but just mm. made me feel a little bit better about things. So Amy and I are always on the hunt for freebies, so I'm trying to think, <laughs> could this be an art lesson you could get out of? You can get um, an art lesson. I want my makeup done. I'm feeling, <laughs> feeling very self-conscious about the way I applied it hastily this morning. You look gorgeous, you look gorgeous. Perfect. No judging. <laughs> teacher or teachers that kind of I don't know got you the people that understood that you maybe weren't particularly good at some things but you had these other strengths yeah um 
I'd have to say it wasn't in primary school. Um, my teachers in primary school, they were great, but there's not one that really stood out. It was my after school um, teachers that really did. There was one lady, Mrs. Colfer, um, that I used to walk to every Friday or Thursday, I'm sure. Um, she had a little room out the other side of her house and I just felt really safe there. Um, I don't know if that's the right word, but I felt very comfortable with her mm. going through you know, words and spellings and uh, reading. And she just, everything, she just made everything easier and it just clicked with her. Um, and also I went to an after school art teacher, um, Patricia, um, and she really helped me kind of progress with my art and my creativity. So okay. both of those, I would say. And we spent a lot of time doing training with teachers and, you know, trying to help them think about what, works well for someone who's dyslexic mm -hmm. what specific specific advice would you give to them based on what those two people what were they doing that made you feel so comfortable I think they took the time they took the time and they listened and they saw that there was issue, issues or problems mightn't be the right word but there was difficulties that I was having and um, that a lot of teachers don't take the time mm -hmm. they just think oh you're you're slacking or you're not you're not paying attention or um, just you're not interested in what they're saying and or they just don't have the time or the resources to give that one child or two children in the class that little bit of extra help sure yeah, yeah. can I can I take on, on it <laughs> totally. I'm stealing your question but you said the word uh, slacking yes which is interesting because I firmly believe that all dyslexic people have a word that was said to them that kind of like rubs them up the wrong way so, so for some people it's lazy or stupid or things like that mine is always careless mm -hmm. because I'd always do something or I'd you know be really good at one maths uh, you know long division one day and then the next day I'd forget how to do it and it would be being careless and forgetting things and stuff like that as if it was deliberate so that's my word and I'm wondering if you have a word that was maybe said to you that would have there are a few things that really get my back up and they still do now and I'm 32 oh yeah I the hairs in the back of my uh, neck oh. stood up when I said careless yeah. so. <laughs> um people telling me that you're just not thinking yeah I'm just like I am I'm yeah. bloody thinking. If anything, I'm probably overthinking. I'm overthinking this. Um, yes, and also people correcting me. Um, not like, I don't mind people correcting me, but when they're doing it constantly, yeah, I it really upsets me and bothers me. And then I don't listen. I don't want to listen. Yeah. I don't want to listen to what they're saying, um, and it just makes me feel really crap about myself. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and I I might not mean the word that I've just said, but tell me in a way that's. You Kinder, know. maybe. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I'd say those two things. They're good ones. I'm delighted yeah. with that. And I think if we collated all the experiences of people, even just on the podcast alone, it would give people uh, pause for thought when they do that stuff. Yeah. Like correcting somebody or being technically right, but yeah. in all other ways wrong. Yeah. Like my mom last night, she was just like, I know, but you don't always write, you know. Um, your text messages right and I was like no I know that I don't always spell the word right mm. but like I don't even like sometimes I don't where and where I still can't even you know those two oh I don't know how to spell the word does <laughs> yeah there's I have a law like, degree <laughs> <laughs> like it's I, I, I've got two I've got two yeah but yeah. at the same time like there's just some things that are never just never stick for no apparent reason no. but being picked up on them in a way that's not kind can be very jarring it is yeah 
because um, we're all human. Definitely. And uh, emotions kind of get in there as well. And, you know, I, I beat my, not that I beat myself up about it, but I, it really upsets me and then I can't let it go then. And then I feel that word. I feel stupid. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. We have a line sometimes about technology and we say, you know, there's never been a better time to be dyslexic mm. because with technology that's in your phone or your tablet, you can get around a lot of the problems. Yeah. Things like spell check and dictation software. But the last course we did down in Limerick, um, one of the teachers said to me that actually there's never been a worse time to be dyslexic if you're talking to your friends and you're a younger person who uses WhatsApp or text messaging exclusively because you're actually using more uh, words to communicate with your friends in written form than we used to yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm aging myself here but I used to pick up the phone after school and talk to my friends on a landline so there was no chance of me making the wrong spelling mm-hmm. but now if I was coming home and spending all evening whatsapping my friends there's pressure there to communicate and, and if you get the spelling wrong or you get the nuance wrong it can be taken in the wrong way mm. so yeah. I think it's in some ways it's a challenging environment that we yeah. live in no absolutely it's definitely a double edged sword in terms of like but I think as well sometimes do a 360 like I know that when I'm talking to friends sometimes they'll send me voice messages on whatsapp yeah. and like they're not dyslexic they're just lazy yeah. <laughs> and I'm allowed to say that as a dyslexic person but again it kind of comes full circle in that we'd always call each other then no one called everyone text and never sent a voice messages to each other mm. So I think it's kind of, it can be swings and roundabouts a bit. It's maybe they were doing something else at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. might have been multitasking. That's why podcasts are great. You can watch the car while listening to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully people are doing that right now, yeah. listening to this. <laughs> but also you can, you know, I've dictated reports um, whilst walking about the room. Yeah. Because I'm tired of sitting down and typing. Yeah. Um, it's just a different method of communicating. I love to see it though, because it feels that... Um, it makes things much more socially acceptable and in the workplace and things like that if people start to you know dictate their emails or dictate their reports and stuff like that I think it creates an environment where you feel less in the spotlight about about doing it mm-hmm. so I do think there's it's nice to see to go back to our beautifully make up magic box now and we'll pick one out there Lana do you want to yeah uh, there you go great so oh who is who has been the person that has been the greatest support to you around your dyslexia in your life I would have to say my mom she is like one of those women with a drum and you know, and she's just beating it up and down those streets. Um, like she's brilliant from, you know, from a very young age. She has had my, my back and my brother's back. And it's just really helped us. She's still helping us, still proofreading emails. You know, um, she's really helped us throughout and bringing us to um, all the after school classes and getting us tested. Um, she just really wanted the best for us. Now, obviously, of course, my dad too, I have to mention him. Um, but I would still say my mom is up there a little bit more. She's been brilliant. And do you think in terms of even just emotional stuff, like my mom was the exact same, she'd be, you know, out doing a parade in your honour yeah. every time you got like 10 out of 20 in your spelling tests. But um, do you think there's an emotional aspect to that kind of support that's 
really helpful or kind of that even now you'd still go to her maybe yeah absolutely I think um she's another person that really she gets me um and gets everything about me and you know knows when I'm down and what I'm kind of down about and I don't have to say it to her um so yeah the support is from her is, is brilliant um there are there are other people in my life now that have been great as well um my two after school teachers were great when I was younger um, and also my boyfriend at the moment is is brilliant he's um, lovely we're getting yeah. shout out to the mums the boyfriends <laughs> everyone's doing well yeah he couldn't support me enough like he is he's you know whatever you want to do you'll you can do it so it's great he's he's in my corner now as well excellent mm. some of the stuff that people say when they answer that question there's this thing about support and about having your back there's also this thing about having high expectations yeah. Like they know you, they know you're as smart as anybody. Yeah. So that kind of message, you don't always believe it yourself, but mm. if someone keeps telling you that, it starts to rub off on you. He definitely does now, Anthony. Better say his name. <laughs> he definitely. Hello, Anthony. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Um, he definitely is that person who is constantly like, you can do anything you want to do. Um, and my mom is there with him. And yeah, I sometimes don't believe it. Um because things don't always stick or they don't go my way and I'm like why can't like I'm gonna curse now but why can't I get my shit together do you mm. know and I, I look at my girlfriends and they all have these good jobs and careers and you're just like why haven't I got my stuff together mm. do you know which can sometimes be really really hard but I need to you know remind myself that actually I do do you know my path is just different and I love what I do, and a lot of my girlfriends don't love what they do, but they're in jobs just to do them. Yeah, um, I am going to also go off thread as well <laughs> in that. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about your job and yeah. kind of what you do and all the kind of creative elements of this, because as a non-creative dyslexic, uh, I like to hear from creative dyslexics, because I think when I was growing up, like in the 90s, they were like, do you know what, dyslexics are great, you'll be a brilliant artist. And I am the least artistic person. And I kept waking up every morning and being like, it's going to kick in. I'm going to go full Da Vinci at some point. Yeah, and but you got, you were, you're really smart. <laughs> no, but it's definitely that like um, creativity comes in loads of different forms. But you're kind of creative in its kind of rawest form. And mm. I'm so interested to hear about kind of why kind of the route you decided to go. Did you go on and study more around art or kind of maybe take us from secondary school? Would that yeah, be okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um so from secondary school, well, all the way through from primary to secondary, um, I had a love of art, um, painting, working with my hands, um, clay making, sculpture, anything, you know, I was creating it. Yeah. Um, so I decided to study fine art and design um, in Galway, which was great. So I studied down there for three years. Um, your first year is a core year, which you do a little bit of, you kind of dip into everything. Yeah. Um, and then your second, third and fourth year, you specialise. So I specialised in paint. So I spent three years in a studio just painting. Amazing. Yeah. So it was, I was the real arty party. <laughs> um, so it was brilliant and always great. And, you know, um, I just took inspiration from everything. It just, it, art and creating things comes to me so, like it comes to me very easily. Um, it's almost like I don't have to think about it which I forget as well. Um, like, I, Mom and I still go to art classes now. I know I've kind of jumped, but I'll go back. No. Um, 
and we'll look at colours where we'll be painting and she'll see just blue whereas I'll see blue with five other shade five other colours in it yeah. to create this colour and she's like how do you do that and I forget that I can do that yeah um so yeah that is good but anyway I'll go back sorry um so I studied fine art and design and then after that um I've always loved makeup um I decided to do theatrical makeup and media in Dunleary um and through that I won a competition for um a bridal competition out in the RDS and part of my prize was then to train with Makeup Forever. Wow. So I went on to train with Makeup Forever and they kept me on then for five years and I trained in Paris with them as well in their main store. Oh my god, that's <laughs> so winning I'm competitions so excited. training in Paris. Yeah. yeah. So, sounds yeah. bleak. It's so casual. Yeah, so casual. No, the amazing company to work for, just really, really creative. We do um a lot of special effects as well. So Halloween is like Christmas to oh, us. Oh wow. Yeah. Um now whilst I was still doing this, I was still painting. Yeah. But more as a hobby. Yeah. Um so I decided I'd done five years in Makeup Forever in Ireland. I decided to go to Australia and I worked for MAC um, Cosmetics. Are you keeping up with us? Yeah, I'm scribbling, <laughs> scribbling away here. Yeah. I, do know what, I do know what MAC is. I think I've maybe bought something. Oh, good for you. A shop on Henry Street. Congratulations. Yeah. One of those big shops. You turn yeah. left when you go in and you look a bit bemused and then someone comes someone up gives and you a lift across. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so I worked for MAC in Australia for two years as well um, and then came home and I'm home about four years now and I've been freelancing um, I also worked out in TV3 for about a year um, so doing hair and makeup out there and I do a lot of photo shoots for magazines and bridal weddings now I don't want to alarm you Elena but that sounds very much like a career to me yeah <laughs> yes and I kind of forget that but it, yes okay like yeah. it sounds so impressive like when you lay it all out there and I think sometimes we don't do that we mm -hmm. kind of don't go through all the amazing things we've done yeah. but I mean that's so impressive and like to take all that creativity and use it in such diverse ways as mm -hmm. well is so interesting yeah like the past year now but since I came back from Australia I've been going back to art classes and mom yeah. and I do that together and her mom actually paints as well, so I think the creative that creative mm. gene is in is, is yeah. in, it's genetic. Um, so we paint ourselves every Tuesday, and it's great. And it's that's where I switch off. That's my headspace. Yeah. Um. So I've started um, commissioned pieces, doing commissioned pieces now as well, and recently started doing murals for um, nurseries and wow. um, kids' playrooms and in schools as well. It's very exciting. Yeah. We have very plain walls around here. Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah. I was just looking at them. We could have a lot of <laughs> colour on those. <laughs> and during your time at college, Alana, how did you find... Obviously, you were, it sounds like you were super engaged and interested in the practical aspects... Were there any bits of college that weren't as positive or what was the support like when you were there? Yeah, um, like I loved nothing more than I loved it, painting and creating. Um, but then when I had to put pen to paper and do thesis, thesis um, and write essays, mm -hmm. I found that really difficult. And I didn't get any support in college. And my mom 
was like fighting for it and they just didn't have anything they put me on the same playing field as everybody else in there and graded me that way as well um so which was very difficult I only did um a degree I only got my degree in in fine art and design I didn't go on to do an honors degree Mm -hmm. because my points weren't high enough in my um written work in my thesis I suppose Mm. so that was very frustrating and, and and very hard um I suppose for me and a little bit of me probably gave up as well. Like there was only so much fight in me and then I was like, oh, well, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. And it gets very frustrating. Mm. Um, and I would love if that support was there for me or for people in college. Because um, I think it's so important mm. to give that extra little bit of hand or help or, you know, to show the show students there's apps out there to help them write um, their essays and to... I suppose just give them more help with with that. Yeah, I think things are definitely getting better with colleges and things like that, but um, I think as well when you're constantly being kind of pushed back and, oh, it's grand, and, you know, I think also a tool of that is the idea that, oh, you're doing something you love, so you, you must be fine. It must You must be able to do it. Whereas, like, a 2,000-word essay is a 2,000-word essay regardless of what the topic is. Yeah. And I think that there sometimes is a hesitation to recognise that even when we're doing something we love, we still need help and support. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think that there there's definitely a move to make things better, but I think it's the constant push and fight that sometimes is hard. Mm. Yeah. I get very frustrated when an experience not too long ago, um, and you're saying you weren't getting that type of support. It wasn't a, this wasn't a nice thing to have. It wasn't you know you didn't need to ask politely for it. This is your right. Mm. This is the legal protection, uh, which I think is lost sometimes on people who think, oh, what does the word actually mean? Oh, it makes you feel better. That's good. But you know, no, it actually gives you legal protections. Yeah. Um, you know, an organisation, a college, an employer has to make reasonable adjustments. It's not an option. It's built into equalities legislation. It's built into employment law. And um, if anyone's listening to this who is having a similar experience, we would say make sure you fight for your rights because a lot of people worked very hard to put them in place, and it's absolutely your right to expect support. You have to step up as well and, and maybe and you were talking about using apps and technology and that is something that provides opportunities now but we really need um, organisations to say this is not a this is non-negotiable mm, yeah. we absolutely demand this now absolutely and I think probably after college and my experience with that side of it I look back now and I probably went quiet myself and didn't tell employers then after oh by the way I'm dyslexic yeah because I was like, well, I'm not, I didn't get it then, I'm not going to get it now, and why should I tell them? But if I could go back a couple of years, I, I would, because I, I did struggle in some areas mm. um, with employers as well, because yeah. I didn't tell them. Mm. And it can really, uh, something like that can really hit you out of nowhere, I think, sometimes. Yeah. So I try to explain to parents that your relationship with your dyslexia is different and continues to change all the time. So what I thought about dyslexia when I was seven was completely different to what I thought about it when I was 14, and again, completely different to when I was 25. And I think just when you think that you're totally confident and able to advocate for yourself and able to do things, one knockback to something that is so necessary for you can make you really, really hesitant to talk about it again. Because because it's such a personal part of you, um, someone dismissing it out of hand can be so hurtful. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, I worked 
I did an internship um, maybe three years ago with an online um, magazine. I was like, dream job, this is going to be great, you know, I can use my other creative skills just to do something else, mm. but I never told them I was dyslexic. And I was getting to do um, articles per hour, and I was struggling to get yeah. these articles done within an hour. I was going home after work and, and doing them at home and just stressing over them, mm. and it, the work wasn't enjoyable anymore. And I remember saying this um, to my cousin, who'd be like my best friend, and she was so um, shocked that I was dyslexic. She was like, you've never said. And I was like, actually, I've never told you I'm dyslexic. And I suppose, you know, you know, when I met yourself a couple of weeks ago mm. um, and you sent me over the podcasts, I was listening to all of them and I got really emotional listening to all of them because I was... I was almost like, oh my God, these are my people. <laughs> and things were we just... We have a team. Yeah. So uh, we play like uh, football once a month. So yeah. you know, we'll all go together. I was just... It was like I was really connecting with everyone that was on the tapes. And I was like... And things were making sense. And I was like... So when you said you have a different um, relationship with dyslexia as you're getting older, I feel a little bit more like that now. That I suppose I shunned it for a little while. But now... It's almost like I'm getting it again. Mm. Um, and I, you, the podcast really helped, I suppose, to open a few more doors that it's, were I shut. <laughs> it's great to hear that because I, I think when we were sitting down thinking about doing the podcast, that was one of the main kind yeah. of hopes that we would be able to connect uh, people with other people and realise that... Because it's sometimes it's a bit of a lonely experience. People aren't walking down the street telling each other. It's a bit of a hidden thing. Yeah. Um, and we know that 10% of the population are dyslexics. It's just that we are n not necessarily aware that there are friends, neighbours and colleagues all the time. So you said, Alana, you felt you'd found, found your people. <laughs> yes, my people. And I'm going to listen back to this and I'll be like, oh my God, did you actually <laughs> say that? Um, but yeah, I just really connected with... Um, I connected with everyone that was on it and they were talking about their experiences through school and through college and through life and I was like... God, I went through those things as well. Um, and I was listening to some of the younger ones, well, younger than I am, um, and how much more help they were getting. And I almost felt very cheated mm -hmm. um, in a bit of my life as well. Yeah. And that, 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 that help wasn't there for mm -hmm. me as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I suppose it's a hard one to kind of admit as well that there is a problem or there was a problem. Um, and that's with an incredible mum. Yeah. fighting for everything at every yeah. turn and you still didn't get maybe what other people might have yeah absolutely yeah. Um, yeah she was brilliant she did, She still is fighting for everything um, so with that energy in mind if you could uh, speak to the powers that be who are in charge of our education system be it at primary or post primary or even third level what advice or what would you be, de be demanding of them so that your experiences um, you know, if you if you had your time again, it would be even more positive. I would say um, there should be a lot more awareness out there, and resources, um, and you know, you're putting these teachers through school to become these teachers to um, bring these key these children through life and give them education. The teachers also need to be educated to see a dyslexic child or to see that there is um, an issue or a problem with children within the class and know how they're going to help that child. 
Mm. So definitely a lot more awareness, uh, resources, um, and awareness in, in colleges as well and in the workforce. And that this word isn't a silenced word that, you know, it's, it's spoken about and it's okay that you will get that job if you're dyslexic. It's mm. not going to set you back and you will become this amazing person and have an amazing career. And everyone's fighting for you. You mentioned, Alana, that you're kind of new to podcasts and um, hearing about this podcast was one of the reasons that you started to access them. Um, I'm always uh, frustrated that there's so much good information out there that is available in audio um, and people aren't accessing it. Um, how have you found sort of listening and getting your information and content from your ears rather than your eyes? Really, really good. Um, yeah, so I, I haven't been um, listening to podcasts at all. Now, my boyfriend listens to podcasts all of the time and he's like, you need to get on them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I ran, like I ran through your ones. I listened to your ones, I'd say, within a day or two. Um, and they were brilliant. It's like when I watch a movie, everything sinks in a lot better. Mm. Yeah. When I listen to something, it sinks in. A song, I remember it. It's, uh, when you're reading, it's a little bit harder. I don't know if you... you yeah, no, definitely. Well. And I think that there's this weird um, kind of veneration of reading something. As if if you read something, you have so much more information or it's so much better for you than listening to the same book on, say, yeah. audiobook. And I think that we totally celebrate that. Mm. And we, we kind of venerate the idea that, oh, it was, written, it was read in a book and you read that yourself as if it was an achievement. And sometimes it really is an achievement. But also, likewise, sometimes listening to an audiobook on your way to work means that it sticks in your head more. Yeah. And that's totally fine. It's like when you hear that last song before you get out of the car, you're humming it for the rest of the day then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm all about the podcast now and I suppose I just want to know where I can, you know, where I can access them better or know which ones, like you were saying, which ones I should mm. be listening to. Mm. And yeah. I don't know how you kind of search that. It's kind of like movies on Netflix. You've got to just ask people in pubs yeah. what are yeah. listening to. We've never had more access to this stuff, whether it's music on our phones or, uh, you know, you could, you could spend hours on YouTube watching absolute rubbish. Oh, I know. But if you get a good tip... Um, it can make a big difference. So yeah. I think, you know, um, we'd encourage our listeners as well to share their experiences of other podcasts about dyslexia or about learning, but also about other things because um, it's a mind-boggling amount of stuff out there that's trying to kind of cut through the noise and see what, what's of interest to me. And it, I've mentioned before, Sean, who I think it was episode three or four, Sean doesn't read books, but he's one of the most informed people you could ever meet. Mm. But he accesses his content elsewhere does he read no he accesses content even the, the terminology has kind of changed now yeah place that it hasn't changed so much is still our formal education system where that veneration still exists you're expected to read with your eyes and you're expected to write with a pen pencil maybe if you're lucky a laptop whereas in life listening and talking are far more useful skills than they're given credit for in our school system yeah no absolutely um another thing actually i'm just going to go back on the education um and my mom was the one that was actually saying this last night. We were talking about it. And she was like, they're, re they're rewarding these kids and, and students for getting honours and working their ass off and getting honours. What about the other children that work their ass off and just pass? Mm. Yeah. Do you know? What about them? Um, and I was just like, yeah, you go, mom. Yeah. <laughs> and it is to celebrate 
you know, the other children that are struggling and that are working so hard to get a grade as well. Yeah. I think there is this um, idea that we don't match effort, like we don't um, celebrate effort. And uh, I think that like if a kid gets two out of 20 and they studied for an hour to get that in a spelling test and another kid gets 20 out of 20 and they studied for 20 minutes, like who did a better job? Who yeah. tried more? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and we do have to start really kind of um, celebrating the effort that people put into things. And I think that that only comes about when we stop talking about results, but we talk about like commitment or how, how we got there. So instead of saying you got, you know, two out of 20, it's that actually I spent two hours learning that. Yeah. You so I, I also, the continuous assessment yeah. then is also another one that really needs to start um, because a lot of kids do not work well under pressure and can't cram in a two hour S or a two hour exam. Um continuous assessment I think is the way forward as well. That's interesting because I think we were uh, due a consultation from the National Curriculum mm-hmm. Agency about um, updates and you know long needed changes with the Leaving Certificate to yeah. get it away from performance on one day being the measure of you as a, you know, a rounded human being. Um, so I think it's good to hear that continuous assessment is something that hopefully will be looked at in that. Um, and it's something we do at a third level all the time um, but we don't tend to still to do it in, in our formal state system, which, you know, obviously there are diff- d- improvements for not just dyslexic peoples to be had there, but if you asked non-dyslexics, would you prefer to have your oh, yeah. assessment spaced out and more rounded and maybe a variety of writing and talking and listening and speaking? Um, I'd, you'd probably find most people would say that's exactly what we want. Yeah, no, absolutely, because even the, the kids that are doing really well, they still struggle and still... Um, crack under pressure so I think a continuous assessment for, for all kids is a lot better yeah. I have a, a teacher friend of mine in post primary and she says it's funny on the, on the, when the results come out late summer the young people on the front page of the traditional media are the people who have the ridiculously high marks and they're you know well done but you know they are our traditional kind of target market for yeah. celebrating success yeah but she said, what, she said what she looks out for are the kids who are about 300 points but manage to get 400. Those are the ones that she gets excited about. Because she says, you know what, they put in the most amount of effort. And also, those kids with the high points, they were probably going to get high points despite me. Yeah. Um, but my input has changed what was uh, could have been a, a difficult or an unsuccessful experience into a, a rewarding one. Mm. And ultimately, the, the, their destination after that is what's more important. It doesn't matter the exact figure. So it always strikes me that effort and um, you know the impact of other human beings, teachers on you is, is massive around this stuff. Yeah, people sometimes just don't get it or don't get that word um, and think that, yeah, we are just slacking and we putting it, we're putting a title on us, you know, to, yeah. and I would say even some of my family are like that as well. Really? I will not name names on this. <laughs> but yes. Christmas is going to be awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and they would still say, you know, they'd give my mom a hard time over it when she's mm. like, no, you know, she'd be fighting for us. And they're like, yeah. why? Yeah. Do you know they're fine? Yeah, the, their fine attitude has never served no. anyone particularly well. No. No. We heard recently, uh, I think it was a principal was... Um, when asked about whether or not a child in her school might be dyslexic, she said, oh, everyone's dyslexic these days. 
and she was reminded and reprimanded by the peer and says, no, 10% actually, yeah. and I'll just choose to forget what you just said there because it was either incredibly ignorant or incredibly rude, yeah. and possibly both. Uh, but that was a very confident mum standing up for her kids' rights. You know. That's good. We need more of those. I have to say, that's a very unrepresentative <laughs> of our wonderful principles that are out there. Absolutely. <laughs> and there are, and you know what, in saying that, there are great teachers out there and ones that do put in the time for those children. Um, so they're not all, you know, slacking. <laughs> I mean, we see them at, at weekends because we do teacher training on Friday evenings and yeah. Saturday. Mm. And uh, people are giving up their own weekends and their own, often paying money as well to come along and learn about this stuff. So that gives us great hope when we see, you know, those um, wonderful committed professionals giving up their time and they're so enthusiastic about it as well. And they're going to teach hundreds of dyslexic kids for the rest of their career. So that impact's going to be pretty huge as well. Um, I am going to ask the last question and I am only I'm the only one that's allowed to ask this question so it can only be asked when I'm on the podcast um, but my question is um, if you could take a pill in the morning that would take away your dyslexia would you take it? Do you know what? And I thought about this only because I was listening to everybody else's yeah. answers. But no, I wouldn't. Because it would change me and change all of my experiences and everything that I've done and everything that I've worked for. And all my, my creativity. It would, I feel like it would change. So no, um, I wouldn't. Good, I'm glad. I'm getting a list of people now that wouldn't yeah. trade their dyslexia uh, in a, in a, for a magic pill. I'm sure at times in your life, particularly maybe when you were at college and having a hard time, um, it's something that you would have jumped at, and I'm the same. But I think when you get to a certain level of kind of confidence with it and peace with it, that it kind of changes and you see maybe the good aspects of it and, and how it's maybe helped you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, there are times, and that's what I had to think about, yeah. whether I wanted to say no or yes. But yeah, there was times through school and through college that if someone said, look, we can make this go away, we can, I would have taken it. Yeah. Yeah, but I just think it changes everything about who you are. So... I wouldn't know the answer is no. Yeah. I don't know what i do. I'd know how to spell does, and then i yeah. just... You know, I wouldn't be able to paint. Exactly, yeah. It would be a very hard time for both of us. I know. <laughs> Zero crack. Zero, Zero crack. crack. Yeah, we wouldn't be sociable. No, no. Our makeup probably wouldn't be as great no, as it is. <laughs> so yeah, no. For for all of that, no. Um, I just think, you know, for for anyone who is listening, who is who is struggling with it, or parents, just be the support for them be there for them and encourage them because they will be more than fun. Brilliant. What a nice bit of advice to end on. Mm. Can I just, as a wee point of clarification for anyone listening, I think Alana mentioned this today and Jane has mentioned it in a previous podcast that when you were assessed it was a very sort of lengthy, almost exhausting experience. And I think that was the traditional way that we used to assess for dyslexia. It used to take hours. Um, what, just to, if anyone's thinking about having their daughter or son assessed, now our assessments here would be much less uh, in, you know, they'd take less time. We'd be talking maybe sort of an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes. And for adults, much quicker again, maybe 40, 45 minutes. So if people are sometimes a bit nervous about going through that, because it's, you know, it's mm. quite, an, it could be, you could be worried that it's going to be an exhausting experience or a challenging experience. 
I think most of the time nowadays um, the assessment process is quicker. So we've kind of refined it over the years to make sure that we're not putting people through stuff if they, unless they absolutely need to. So but it was really interesting to hear your experience of that because I think Gina described it as exhausting as well. Yeah, I, I just kind of remember. And when my mom was telling me, like I had to go through all of it with her um, just for her to remind me, and she was like, she actually sent me to a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they were exhausting. And it was almost like you got a treat after yeah. <laughs> because you, yeah. you went through so much, like yeah. physically exhausting um, and emotionally. And you were just drained from it. Um, but yeah, I, by the sounds of it, you have gotten it down to a fine art. Hopefully, hopefully. Yes. And, and any advice about that, you can contact our information service, check our website, which is www.dyslexia.ie. Shall I do a shout out for social media, like they do on the property? Do a shout out for social media. So we also have a Facebook and we have a Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Dyslexia Ireland. We have a YouTube page where we feature videos um, about dyslexia and some other talks that we've done in the past as well. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you know all about our podcast, this and that. But do the next time you're at a dinner party... By the way, why are we obsessed with dinner parties? I never go to dinner parties. You're always talking about dinner parties. I always go to dinner parties. You're just not invited. I, I, I know. But if I am invited to dinner party, if you are, please tell your friends and colleagues and um, family about this, because you might not know, but uh, they very well will have a friend, partner, colleague who's dyslexic themselves. So spread the word... And any ideas for questions for our podcast, let us know as well. Thank you for bearing with me through all that jibber jabber. <laughs> uh, Alana, thank you so much for coming yeah, in. Yeah, it was so, so good to speak to you. Thank you both for having me. It was a pleasure. Really fascinating. And we're delighted that you're our biggest fan of the podcast as yeah. well. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, just another little note, I would say, if you are thinking of bringing your children to get tested, do it. I will be bringing my children when I have them to get tested just to even just ease their days and yeah it's important to know yeah it is important to know